I'm looking at this through the lens of return. And over and over and over again, I see how it has provided an exponential return. And so I wanna give you strategies that I've learned through trial and error of how I've maximized this, of how I've made it work. I have nothing wrong with you wanting to move at a fast pace. I just think that that's even more reason to make sure you've got someone in your corner that's asking you the questions that no one else is. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, we're going to slow today down a little bit. I'm going to be very relaxed in today's conversation. At least I'm going to try to be very relaxed. I've got my cup of coffee here. I'm very chill because we're going to talk about a topic that can be very heavy, but can also, for many people, be very emotionally laden just because it can carry with it some baggage sometimes. And I, I want to take it a little bit slower just because I want you to hear how serious I am about this topic for the people that we're talking to, which is impact-driven leaders. That's because today we're going to be talking about the topic of counseling. And the reason why I wanted to record a podcast conversation on this is because over and over again in my conversations with friends, with colleagues, and with the clients of ours that we see in a coaching capacity – On a recurring basis, I find myself asking the question, have you thought about talking to a counselor about this? And one of the things in asking that question that I've seen over and over again is that there still continues to be a stigma around counseling. And I've noticed that there's kind of two things associated with that stigma. The first thing is that people don't want to ask for help or they don't want to appear needy, which I think that's crazy. (laughs) because the more you lead, the more you need. And we said it on this podcast, Rob Wall had that brilliant quote, if your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. And this is just another method of input. That's what counseling is. And if you're not willing to reckon with your own neediness, with your own need to be helped as a leader, well, then I don't feel really, really good about the prospect of your emotional and mental health and sustainability moving forward. Because we've got to be able to say, man, I'm a leader, yes, but I'm also a human being, and therefore I need help. And that's what counseling is. But then number two, I think, associated with that stigma is just, I think people have tried it before and they've been outrageously frustrated by it. Because it can feel like this kumbaya circle where all we're doing is sitting around, chit-chatting, we're not making any progress, and and we're not moving forward, and I don't see what this is doing, and it just makes me frustrated because it's not productive. (laughs) If you can't tell, I've been there before. And so I can empathize with that feeling, but... I also want to let you know that the reason why I'm so passionate about this topic is because truly today I look at it and view the multiple times that I go to counseling a month as one of the greatest investments that I make in my relationships, in my faith, in my life, and in my leadership. And I use that 
phrase investments, not casually. I use it very intentionally because I'm looking at this through the lens of return and not just incremental return, exponential return. And over and over and over again, I see how these meetings, how this dedicated time set aside to work on my heart and my mind, both from the past and in the present, it has provided an exponential return that goes far beyond even what I think I can see. And so I want to give you strategies that I've learned through trial and error of how I've maximized this, of how I've made it work, because I think it can be really frustrating for the high-performing, impact-driven individual that wants to move at a fast pace. I have nothing wrong with you wanting to move at a fast pace. I just think that that's even more reason to make sure you've got someone in your corner that's asking you the questions that no one else is. So we're calling today Maximize Counseling. We're going to run through five points, and really it's five steps that that you have to adopt and apply if you're going to maximize counseling. And I want to break them down high level, and then we're going to jump into them in depth. Number one is that if you want to maximize counseling, you have to buy in wholeheartedly. Number two, you have to find the right person, the right person. Number three, you have to have the guts to be transparent. Buckle up. I'm going to push you in that one. Number four, I want you to play the role of narrator. That's something that I've been learning very recently. And number five, if you want to maximize counseling, you need to reflect, you need to prepare, and you need to commit. So those are the five points that we're going to be walking through. And just to clarify, before we jump in, many of you know, our business does business and leadership coaching. And sometimes people get confused about what is the difference between coaching and counseling. And here's what I would tell you. This is the way I look at it. This is not from a dictionary, but it's been incredibly helpful for me because I also have a coach. So I go to a counselor to really focus on and dive deep on my past and how it affects me in the present. And I go to a coach to talk about my present and talk about how that feeds into my future. Now, that is not a hard line, right? That's just how I think about it mentally. It's not like anything talking about my future is off limits with my counselor or anything of talking about my past is off limits with my coach. But it is helpful for me to break it up in that way. And I would say as a general rule, that is how I kind of frame that time and utilize that time with those two individuals. So uh, we're going to walk through the five steps And we're going to break each of these down as we go. Step number one, if you want to maximize counseling, is that you need to buy in wholeheartedly. If you decide to go to counseling, you have to believe it's a worthwhile endeavor. I feel so much pity for the counselor that has to show up and meet with the person that goes because a podcast told them to or because their spouse told them to or because a team member told them to or because a friend told them they needed to. No, it has to be your decision. And you have to get yourself mentally and emotionally behind the idea that this is worthwhile. And it would be really good for you to have some clarified reasons. I'm talking to leaders right now, so this shouldn't be that hard. Some clarified reasons as to why I'm doing this. And then this is going to blow your mind. What if you shared those clarified reasons? What if you shared those clarified reasons with them at the first meeting? Like you had a bullet point list and you said, this is why I'm doing this. So make a list that you believe in and then share that with your counselor. 
uh, it, it always blows my mind that sometimes we walk into an initial meeting like this and it's almost like we're trying to keep it a secret from them how they can be successful. No, uh, you determining a worthwhile purpose that you can then share with them is going to increase both of your chances of being outrageously successful. But this also connects to something that we've talked about on here a lot with regard to your perceptions. Your outcome will rarely exceed your outlook. I heard a pastor say this quote yesterday, and, and I just love it. It's, it's just that God often meets you at the level of your expectations. And I think that's so true. Transformation doesn't occur to the person that isn't expecting transformation. At least I certainly wouldn't put my money on it. The person that I would put my money on is the person that's showing up saying, I'm ready to go. I'm going to this because it's going to be good for my heart. It's going to be good for my soul. It's going to be good for my mind. It's going to make me a stronger leader, a stronger person, a stronger husband or wife, a stronger father or mother, a stronger leader. Like the person that's showing up with a sense of expectation because your outcome will rarely exceed your outlook. And so we shouldn't have your outlook or a pessimistic outlook and expect that we're going to get awesome outcomes. It doesn't work that way. Have a great attitude about it. So I want to tell you about my bullet point reasons for why I go to counseling, because my goal is to go once a week. If I can't get in there once a week, I certainly go multiple times a month. A few reasons for me as to why I see Will, my counselor, and I've been seeing him for over a year now, and he's just wonderful. Number one, it's it's our definition of leadership here at Path for Growth. We teach that if someone depends on you, you are a leader. I'm going to say it again. If someone depends on you, you are a leader. So that means I see myself as a leader of people. That also means that I see you, the person that's listening to this, as a leader of people. And that means that people depend on us. And if people depend on us, why would I not have dedicated time set aside where I'm investing energy and money into making sure I'm staying healthy and staying strong? And whether that happens once a quarter or once a month or once a week is up to you. But if you are a leader, people depend on you. And they're depending on you to live a life of integrity and to live a life of constant growth and to be moving beyond your emotional comfort zones and to be making sure you're staying balanced and staying wise and to make sure that you're not operating in a status or posture of self-deception. And those are all things that a counselor does for me is they help guard against the things that take down so many leaders because people depend on me. The second reason why I go that you may want to steal is that I feel better when I pay someone to listen. Now, I've got I've got wonderful friends and family that that will listen to me and they do listen to me a lot. But there comes a time with my friends and with my family where it's like number 1, they don't need to hear me vent all the time and also I don't I feel stressed whenever I monopolize a conversation. I like to be the one that's asking questions sometimes, and I like to be drawing out information from them and being of service to others. And of course, there, there's nothing wrong with me spending some time talking, but if I spend all the time talking just because I have a lot going on with starting a new business and everything that's going on with all the travel we're doing right now and everything that's going on in my relational life, if I spend all the time talking about that, then then I, I, I hamstring my ability to serve them. And so 
I just feel better when I know I've got a dedicated time multiple times a month that I pay someone to listen to me. And if I go on and on and on and on there, Will and I have already talked about it. I don't feel bad about it at all because I pay him. It's such a beautiful thing. And so that's that's the second reason. The third reason we've already kind of uh, talked about this. The third reason why I go to counseling and why I am bought in wholeheartedly, like I'm all in on this. It's not going anywhere. The third reason is that I am capable of being an idiot. And the strongest leaders that I know are the ones that are intimately acquainted with the fact that they are capable of being an idiot. The person that I really worry about as a leader is the person that doesn't think they're capable of doing something stupid or dumb. That person is is on the road to getting blindsided. What we all have to believe is that I am incredibly susceptible to making horrible decisions. And that's why I need to be hyper vigilant. I believe that's biblical. I believe that's wise. I also believe that it's helpful. So do you believe that you're capable of being an idiot? If you do, then why wouldn't you have counseling on the calendar? Just so someone has their thumb on the pulse of how your heart and mind are doing that you can be completely transparent with, which that's going to be point number three. Okay, so people depend on me. I feel better when I pay someone to listen. I'm capable of being an idiot. And then finally, number four, I view counseling as deposits for crisis. This is what's so important, and this is what's changed in me over the course of the past four or five years. It used to be that I viewed counseling as only for crisis. And while I think it's incredibly valuable in crisis, I also think it's more valuable to make deposits in preparation for your next crisis. Because here's the deal. If you're not in a crisis situation right now, number one, be outrageously grateful. Like, let's say, thank God that things are healthy, things are strong. I am well, my family's well, my friends are well. That's awesome. I'm so thrilled for you. That's where, quite frankly, that's where I am right now. And I'm so grateful for it, right? Like things are going so well right now. I have more contentment and peace around the business, around my relationships and friendships, around my family than I've had in a long time. It's just amazing. And at the same time, I'm still going to counseling. And and here's the reason why. Because... Crisis is not an if conversation, it's a when conversation. Your next crisis is coming. And I don't mean that to be a negative thing. That's just a thing. That's just reality. And I don't know if it's going to be an economic crisis. I don't know if it's going to be a relationship crisis. I don't know if it's going to be a health crisis. I don't know if it's going to be a spirituality crisis. I don't know if it's going to be a financial crisis. Life is not up and to the right all the time. Struggle is part of it. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, and I don't think this should be Debbie Downer here because we should all just be able to reckon with reality and say, that's life. And I'm not going to live in fear of the future, but I am going to live in awareness of it. And so if I know that that's coming and challenging decisions are coming and tough situations are coming, it may be 10 years from now, it may be tomorrow. I don't know. But if I know that that's coming, it's really valuable for me to have someone that when it comes, I don't have to show up and say, oh, let me explain the last 10 years of my life to you so you understand the context behind the crisis. No, if, if crisis struck tomorrow, the first person I would call would be my counselor, Will, because he's got so much context because I've been meeting with him for months and months and months and months. And he has a great degree of insight into where I'm currently at. So it's deposits. 
this also changes the way you view each session because it means that your counseling sessions don't have to be a grand slam every single time. And I, I used to view coaching this way. I used to also view counseling this way that I, I have to hit a grand slam today. I'm spending money on this and it's got to be a grand slam. And in reality, now I show up and just say, let's, let's get a base hit. Let's get on base because we're making a deposit. When we make relational deposits over an extended period of time, the value of someone that understands where you've been, where you are, that person is incredibly more equipped to help you with what's coming in the future. So again, reasons for me why I go to counseling. People depend on me, number one. I feel better when I pay someone to listen, number two. I'm capable of being an idiot, number three. And I view it as deposits for impending crisis, number four. Now, those are my reasons. Those don't have to be your reasons. If you have better reasons, have some better reasons. But if you sign up for counseling, do yourself a favor, have some reasons and write them down in a bullet point list because that is so valuable to making sure you are bought in from the beginning and you stay bought in and then share that list with the person you meet with and say, do you think we'd be a good fit? Because that leads us to point number two. So point number one was buy in wholeheartedly. Point number two is find the right person. Okay, so here we go. We want to find the right person. This is, uh, I, I think, one of the things that can be really, really challenging. People say, how do I find the right counselor? How do I make sure I'm meeting with the right person? Well, number one, the only way to, quote unquote, make sure is to do it, right? And so some people sit on the fence and forever and say, oh, I'm not going because I don't know if it's the right person. And they're just using that as an excuse to sit on the fence. Stop sitting on the fence. Get off the freaking fence. <laughs> I said I was going to be calm in this and I'm not doing a great job at that. But but action, you know this, you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're an impact-driven leader, right? Action, action always wins. So we need to find the right person. Here, here's what I view as the right person. Number one, they have to have the same source of truth as you. And out of all the criteria we go through, this is without a shadow of a doubt the most important. Make sure that they have the same source of truth as you do. Now, I know there's all these differences and nuances between a Christian counselor or a counselor that's Christian, you know, and, and if you are a believer, the biggest thing I care about is do they believe in the Bible? Now, if you don't believe in the Bible, then maybe you don't need that in your counselor. And I would just tell you, ask the question, what do I view as irrefutable, immovable truth? Because here's the deal. Your feelings are not truth. My feelings are not truth. And if I try to get counseling that goes along with this idea that my feelings are truth, that person is going to take you for a ride and it's not going to end well. So, so I need someone that can say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be incredibly sensitive to your feelings. I'm going to be aware of your feelings. I'm going to acknowledge and listen to your feelings. And at the same time, I'm not going to let, let those feelings affect what is true. And so I want you to answer two questions. Number one, what is your source of truth? And that's a really big question that you should be able to answer because that's going to affect everything way beyond just counseling. But then number two is, does their source of truth align with mine? And there is nothing wrong with you asking that question in an initial phone call or in your first session. 
what are you referring to as truth is a totally okay question to ask. And I would say if you're not asking that question, you should be. And if you're going to a counselor where you don't know how they would answer that question, you need to ask them ASAP. I just believe people that are doing more damage than they are good because they're leading people down a path that they call truth and it's not and it's dangerous. So they have the same source of truth as you. Number two, this is one that's really big for me. I need to sit across from someone that has a willingness to be awkward and a level of okayness being in awkward situations because I take time to verbally process things, but also there's moments of just awkward silence where I'm thinking about something. And if someone across from me is wired like me, they try to rescue the awkward situation right? Because that's what I try to do all the time, right? I try to jump in and make sure there's no silence and I try to rescue an awkward situation. It's an area where I'm actually trying to grow as a leader and as a listener. But for my counselor, I really need someone that isn't going to try and rescue me from wrestling with and thinking through things. They're okay with just sitting there in silence and they're completely secure and confident and comfortable in that. I need someone that's willing to just sit and, and be in awkward because a principle behind this is that awkward isn't bad. Sometimes we think, oh, awkward is synonymous with bad. Awkward isn't bad. Awkward is just awkward, right? And, and so I need someone that's able to sit in that because I believe that's actually an incredible sign of confidence. And it gives me the time to think and process and figure things out instead of them just rescuing the situation and giving me advice. Okay, so we said same source of truth, willingness to be awkward. And then number three, whether or not it's the right person, do I trust them? And you can get indicators about whether or not you trust and like someone in the first meeting. You absolutely can. I would argue that if they have the same source of truth and if they're willing to be awkward, give them the benefit of the doubt and and choose to trust them unless you have evidence that proves otherwise or unless you, you show up three times and you just can't get there. Right. But you've got to move forward. You've got to eventually get to a point where it's like, I really trust this person and and we're going to sit down and we're in our talk. And, and so if you can't trust this person, don't make that an excuse for not finding any person, because part of the thing that you might need to go to counseling for is your ability to trust people. <laughs> and so maybe it's not that you can't trust them. Maybe it's that you can't trust anyone. And so you need to do some internal work on that and make sure it's not a you thing, but eventually you need to get to a spot where you can trust them. Okay, so we said we're going to buy in wholeheartedly. We said we're going to find the right person. Let's go on to number three with regard to maximizing counseling. I want you to have the guts to be transparent. I'm going to say it again. Have the guts to be transparent. So this is probably the most important part. Once you find the right person, you know this. Growth and comfort do not coexist. They don't go together. If you're asking to grow, you're asking to be uncomfortable. And I think sometimes we get this idea in our head that discomfort means hustle. It means we need to work harder. It means we need to grind. It means we need to put in more hours. It means we need to learn faster and read more and, and sweat and just hustle. And, and we just go all out on that. And for some of you, that's true, but for some of you, that's your comfort zone because that's the thing you know, that's the thing that you can control. For some of you, and this is how it was for me, your greatest discomfort and therefore your greatest opportunity for growth 
lies in you being ruthlessly transparent with someone while you're looking them in the eye. That's hard. But that's the type of work that will create transformation for you, that will give you a return on your investment. So you've got to really ask yourself the question, do I want to grow or do I want to be comfortable? Because that's really what this is about. Now, I'm going to tell you about a rhythm that I do before every counseling session And if you're not really bought into this idea, you probably want to turn off this episode right now (laughs) because once I tell you about this rhythm, you're not going to be able to unhear this and therefore it's going to be staring you in the face and challenging you to do it every single time you show up to a counselor if you choose to follow this path and if you choose to engage in this type of growth. But I will tell you, this is one of the rhythms, it's one of the habits that has probably created the greatest and highest degree of transformation for me in my life, in my faith, and my leadership with regard to this topic of counseling. So I'm going to tell it to you, but once I tell it to you, I'm giving it to you. And and you have to reckon with whether or not you want to apply it or not. So I started thinking about this fact that, that growth and comfort never coexist and that if I want to grow, I should probably look at the areas that I am uncomfortable. And so what I started doing is I get to the office where I meet Will, the counselor, about 10, maybe five minutes early every single time. And sometimes I think about this in the car right there. And I just sit there and I ask myself, what is the most uncomfortable thing that I could talk to Will about today? (laughs) Oh, Oh, my gosh. What is the most uncomfortable thing? that I could talk to Will about today? Because you could look at that question and you could say that what I'm really asking there is what is my greatest opportunity for growth today? And it sometimes takes some time, but I always land on an answer. And then I'm stuck there in the car with a decision to make. I can decide to go in And just pretend like I never had that thought and talk to Will about all other things that are way more surface level and don't have the degree of depth or discomfort as the thing that I thought of in the car. And I've made that decision sometimes. And instead of being courageous, it feels cowardly. Or I say, well, I can buckle up and I can actually choose to live some of this stuff about growth that I teach And I can make a deliberate decision to talk about the thing that makes me most uncomfortable. Sometimes it's about work. Sometimes it's about family stuff. Sometimes it's about relationships. Sometimes it's about my personal life. Sometimes it's about my finances. It rains the gamut. But the times where I've done it and the times where I've had the guts to be transparent And the times where I've looked him in the eye and just opened up about the thing that makes me most tense, most anxious, most angry, most uncomfortable, most sad, most ashamed, the the times where I do that have been some of the most transformational breakthrough moments interpersonally that I've ever had, period. And so that's why I'm sharing this with you, because I would love for you to experience that. Now, it's outrageously hard, but uh, when was anything worthwhile easy? And I I always leave so grateful because Will's a killer counselor. He's 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 really good at his job. And I tell him that. He's very good at his job. 
And what's cool is he loves his job. And I see him getting better every single week at what he does. But one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for this question is because after telling him something that's outrageously comfortable, I've never left, not once, thinking he looks at me differently or he views me differently or I was a strong leader and now I'm a weak leader. I was a strong man and now I'm a weak man. He now thinks of me as inferior or less. It's never happened. It's never happened. Every single time I'm affirmed that what I do or what I think or what I'm going through or what I'm struggling with or what I'm challenged by or what makes me uncomfortable, that is not who I am. And I'll tell you, I can do that in my journal. I can do that on my own. But something happens whenever you do it sitting across from someone. I mean that. And and they look you in the eye and instead of shying away from the thing that makes you uncomfortable, they just sit with you in it and they say, man, I love you. Or gal, I love you. And so what would it look like for you to do this? What would it look like for you to go there? Do you want to grow so bad that you're willing to do that? Have the guts to be transparent because growth and comfort never coexist. Told you I was going to push you. Let's do two more. We said we're going to buy in wholeheartedly. We said we're going to find the right person. We said we're going to have the guts to be transparent by asking that question. What would be the most uncomfortable thing to talk about? Next, I want you to play the role of narrator. I want you to hear something when you're in the counseling session. This is big. It's not really helpful for you to keep things in your head or your heart. And this is some of what I've been learning just over, I mean, honestly, several months of working with Will is that whether it's right or not, it exists. So if I'm thinking something or feeling something, it's better for me just to observe it and for me just to vent it and say it and see how it lands and then talk through it. That's the beauty of free speech, right? I mean, I I talk so that I can see how things land on the people around me and see what of this is stupid, what of this is right, and what is everything in between. And sometimes in the process of verbally saying things, I realize like, man, Alex, you've got all these answers. You're being an idiot. Some, more often than not, I say, I end up saying something to the fact of, man, this is what we teach people. And here's the advice that I would give myself. But there's something that makes me have to hear myself say it for me to reach that conclusion. And I can maybe think it logically, but I don't believe it until I hear myself say it. And so don't keep it in your head and your heart. Play the role of narrator. And there's so much written on emotional intelligence. But here's the the piece of it that I would tell you is really helpful. There's five core emotions. Okay, there's five core emotions. And you can write these down and you can say everything that I'm feeling in some way draws back to one of these core emotions. And that can help you be a really effective narrator. And it can also save you a ton of time in your leadership, but also in these counseling sessions. Anger, sadness, gladness, fear, and shame. I'm going to say them again. Anger, sadness, gladness, fear, and shame. Now, this is a crash course on the five core emotions. I'm not an expert on this, but it has been something that's been transformational in me. We could look at those anger, sadness, gladness, fear, and shame and say, oh, well, four of them are negative. No, they're not. Emotions are emotions. They're not negative or positive. They just are. They just happen. Now, whether you react to them in a way that is negative or positive is a question worth asking. Because I would argue that every emotion actually has a gift to it, right? Anger, what is anger in a positive light? It's passion. It's deep-seated passion, right? 
What what is fear in a positive light? It can be wisdom because it looks like caution. What is pure fear in a negative light? Well, it's I mean it's irrational paranoia, and I don't want that for you. It's a, it's crippling anxiety. So it, it's helpful to remove some of the clutter by just saying, "Oh, I'm disappointed. Oh, I'm feeling anxious." If you're feeling anxious, you're feeling fear, and it's way better for us to get to the bottom of saying like, "What am I afraid of?" And so you can narrate what you're feeling with your counselor. You can do this with yourself, but it's also really valuable to do with the counselor. And I bet you they know about this if you talk about this. And if they don't, you may need to find a different person. But there's so many good books on this. My favorite is the book Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. And I think he actually breaks it down to eight core emotions, but it's the exact same concept. Chip has been on this podcast before, but that helps us narrate. And that's why I'm telling you that is because you need to be able to give other people insight into what you're feeling. And the five core emotions is so valuable for that. Okay, let's move on to the final one. We said we're going to buy in wholeheartedly. We said we're going to find the right person. We said that we're going to have the guts to be transparent. We're going to play the role of narrator, what we're feeling, what's going on in our head and our heart. And then finally, we're going to reflect. We're going to prepare and commit. Reflect. Number one, if you want to maximize counseling, take 10 minutes to write down something that you got out of the session after you leave the session. Take 10 minutes in the silence. Don't look at your phone. Don't turn on music. Don't call someone. Take 10 minutes. Just take a deep breath and write down what you got out of it. And then maybe within the next day or so, talk to one person you really trust about something that you got out of the session. Because there's something that becomes internalized whenever we don't just hold it, but whenever we share it. So that's reflection. Number two is preparation. Listen to me. Most people don't get what they want because most people don't know what they want. The best counseling sessions that I've ever had are the ones where I walk in and I really don't spend much time on small talk at all. I say, hey, Will, how are you? He says, hey, I'm great. How are you? And then I say, okay, let's get down to business. I've got three things that I want to focus on today. And I've got a bullet point list. What would it look like for you to show up with a bullet point list? With three things that you want to focus on. They can be questions. They can be topics. Or I can sometimes tell Will, hey, the thing that I want to focus on today is the fact that I don't know what we should focus on today. And that gives him the reins to start asking really killer questions, right? But but have the intentionality to make the most of the time and money you're investing by preparing. Establish some objectives. And most people don't do this. They just go in and say, serve me. Well, if if the counselor doesn't know what you want, how are they going to be able to serve you? So what if you took ownership and responsibility for making sure that session is transformational? That goes along with your expectations. So we're going to reflect. We're going to prepare by creating some bullet points. And then we're going to commit. This is big. David Brooks says that commitment is when you fall in love with something so much that you put structure around it for the times when you no longer feel in love with it. There's times... And there's been times where I don't feel like it. I don't feel like counseling, but I, I am someone that goes to counseling. And, and I've put structure around it, and I'm not deviating from that structure just because I don't feel like it. Sometimes the time where I most need to go is the time where I don't feel like it. So it's like I'm going to show up, and, and that's what it looks like to be a responsible, disciplined human being. And so when you feel like it is not a good time to go to counseling. Because it's uncomfortable. If you're doing it right, it's uncomfortable. So put structure around it and decide 
if you're going to actually buy into this, that you're going to be someone that goes to counseling. And, and again, you're not trying to hit a grand slam every time. You're just trying to get on base, right? And you're just trying to make deposits because that's going to be what makes that relationship outrageously valuable. The final thing that I will share with you is something that Will shared with me several months ago. He said that there was a study done. He actually shared the book with me that it was in. There was a study done that said uh, that the greatest difference with regard to how people experience transformation in counseling, whether they did or whether they didn't, the greatest difference maker was not the individual counselor's personality. It was not the technique of therapy that they used. The biggest difference maker was two things. The biggest difference maker was the work that the individual did outside the session. So if you're not reading, journaling, studying, taking their action items, talking with other people about what you did at this one hour time once a week, don't expect transformation. It takes work. But I mean, the podcast is called Path for Growth. (laughs) Everything that we talk about on here takes work. If you want the easy, simple path, you're not asking for growth, okay? So, so yeah, it's going to take work, but but work creates transformation. And the beautiful thing is this is some of the most fun work I've ever done. What work would I rather be doing than the work that is the highest return investment of me being the person that I'm created and called to be? It's just such a gift. So the final thing I will tell you is I believe it's a responsibility to yourself and others to do this. I really believe it. Now, whether you go quarterly or monthly or weekly, that can shift and change and modify. Maybe you go to a counselor as uh, the same way you change the oil in your car. Maybe you are going through a really stressful season right now and you should go once a week. But here's the deal. Neglecting it is abdicating responsibility because people depend on you. They depend on you to not be scattered, but to be centered, to not be fragile and feeble, but to be healthy and strong. They depend on you to be someone that can serve them, and you can't serve other people if all you're focusing on is how can you survive, if all you're focused on is how am I going to make it tomorrow, if all you're focused on is your own individual anxiety and fear. And the only reason why I'm telling you this is because I'm rooting for you. I want to see you win. And some of you, you're looking for me to push you to work harder and and move faster and put in more hours. And in reality, that's not the area of discomfort that you need to grow in. The, the greatest way that I can push you as a path for growth coach is to say, man, <laughs> you need to go get a counselor. And you need to get your thumb on the pulse of your heart because it's going to help you grow in awareness. It's going to help you grow in wisdom and it's going to, it's going to increase your effectiveness as a human being in the areas that matter most to you for your family, for your team, for your community and in your faith. I want that so bad for you. So I hope this is valuable. Let's review real quick. You need to buy in wholeheartedly. You need to find the right person, someone that they're Uh, source of truth is the same as yours. You need to have the guts to be transparent. You need to play the role of narrator, and then you need to reflect, you need to prepare, and you need to commit. And that, I believe, from my personal experience, I'm not an expert, but that's my personal experience, that is how you maximize counseling. Hey, real quick, before we go, we send out an email every Wednesday called Worth It Wednesday. We put a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. 
And so many of you have signed up for this. If you want to sign up, we'll put the link in the show notes or you can go to pathforgrowth.com. You know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. We absolutely love you. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.